Welcome to Public Policy This Week, a well-rounded weekly discussion of policy issues that frame today's American experience. Good morning. It's Friday, and you've joined us for Public Policy This Week here on KYMN Radio. Public Policy This Week is dedicated to the discussion of public policy issues. Each week we take a look at a specific policy subject, and we have guests on the show that are experts in their fields. We do our best to stay away from politics. Instead, we concentrate on research and the expertise of our guests to help us to arrive at well-thought-out, comprehensive, integrated policy, policy solutions to the shared challenges we face in society. Our program runs a gamut on policy subjects, from local municipal concerns to state and even national level issues. Everything is fair game. Our objective is civil, thoughtful dialogue about important public policy issues that convey ideas and solutions to move society forward. I'm Joe Moravchek. And I'm Rich Larson. On today's program, we're going to talk about uh, adult education and the Cannon Valley Elder Collegium based here in Northfield uh, since it opened in 1997. Our guests are Dan Sullivan and Jack Seeloff. Dr. Daniel Sullivan served as the 17th president. I'm to give myself a <laughs> mulligan on that one. Dr. Daniel Sullivan served as the 17th president of St. Olaf. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an Oli. I can't, I can't help it. Here we go again. A couple of Olis in here. Dr. Daniel Sullivan served as the 17th president of St. Lawrence University in Canton, New York, and he was a professor of sociology from 1996 until his retirement in 2009. At the time of his retirement, Dr. Sullivan was named President Emeritus at St. Lawrence. Dr. Sullivan had previously served as president and professor of sociology at Allegheny College from 1980 to 1986 to 1996, vice president for planning and development and associate professor of sociology at Carleton College from 1979 to 1986, and assistant and then associate professor of sociology at Carleton College from 1971 to 1979. Dr. Sullivan is a 1965-graduate in mathematics at St. Lawrence University. He received a PhD in sociology in 1971 from Columbia University. In May of 2009, Dr. Sullivan received honorary, honorary doctorates from his alma mater and neighboring Clarkson University, and in May of 2010 from the State University of New York, Canton. The emphasis for Dr. Sullivan's research and scholarship have been science and mathematics education, public policy issues in higher education, including the affordability of college and the sociology of science and medicine. He and his wife, Anne, returned to Northfield to live in June of 2013. He is now the curriculum director of the Cannon Valley Elder Collegium, our topic for today's program. Dr. Daniel Sullivan, welcome to the KYMN Studios and Public Policy This Week. Thank you, Joe. Alongside Dr. Sullivan this morning is Jack Seeloff. Jack is a retired master carpenter, St. Olaf graduate, an ardent devotee to classical music. He has daughters that are professional musicians, and he is a frequent attendee at Minnesota and St. Paul Orchestra events. We invited Jack in today as a student of multiple Cannon Valley Elder Collegium courses. We wanted to get a student's perspective in addition to the curriculum director's broad view. Jack Seeloff, welcome to Public Policy This Week. Thanks, Joe. So um, we're, we're going to talk about adult education because that's really important. But really, Jack, I want to talk about your daughters for a second. <laughs> you've, got, you've got two daughters who are both professional classical musicians. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, where, are, where are they? Uh, one lives in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, she plays the viola. Um, in, she's a freelancer, plays in various orchestras uh the one that's she plays in the most is called the knights um the other one plays the clarinet and uh, she lives in london and plays in the royal philharmonic orchestra where did but, they get their start in music um we lived in saint paul um suzuki violin both of them took suzuki violin when they were young and that is a program that just encourages you all the time and gives you good experiences doing that. And, and uh, also, you know, I'd recommend that for 
kids. I mean, they play together with a lot of other kids. It's a social activity also. And uh, so they just kept doing that. And, the, and then my younger daughter uh, decided uh, to switch over to some other instruments so she wouldn't have to compete with her older sister, mm -hmm. I guess. And so uh, she picked up the clarinet when she was in elementary school at uh, Webster Magnet Elementary School in, in St. Paul. Um, they had a great band director. And uh, then my, my wife uh, got her to start taking lessons with uh, Tim Paradise, who was the principal clarinet in the St. Paul Chamber Orchestra at that time. Yeah. And so uh, she was just set up, and she just kept playing and playing. So, yeah. That's just fantastic. And now she's in London. And, and I, I, I don't know which, which one's actually more impressive, the, the fact that you've got a daughter playing with a London Philharmonic or another daughter who is making a living as a, a freelance violist. Hmm. Yeah, it's just tough to make a living as a musician. It I, is. I would say. It's <laughs> tough. So, yeah. yeah. Well, right. yeah. Rich, we're going to have to keep these guys on topic. They're tennis players. Uh, I, I, I get it. I understand. But real quick, yeah. uh, we're, we're bragging about Jack's, uh, yeah. Jack's daughters. I want to brag about Dr. Sullivan's granddaughter for a second, too, if you don't mind. I, uh, uh, full disclosure, folks, Dr. Sullivan's granddaughter, uh, Kate Kelly, was my intern here at KYM and summer before last. And uh, she... You know, to say she was my intern was ridiculous. She was another reporter here. She did a great job in the, the work she was doing uh, covering um, a, a trailer park situation here in town. And she is now uh, getting her master's degree uh, at the University of Maryland uh, in, in, in journalism and had her pick of the litter of, of uh, pretty much everywhere she wanted to go. Dr. She Sullivan. did. I mean, uh, she was admitted everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, like, like the investigative journalist she is she she investigated each of the each of the programs and deeply she talked to students and faculty on the phone and asked them hard questions and that's fantastic and and i i have to say it had to be hard for you i know she was uh uh i, I know she was uh, accepted at columbia university that being your alma mater it had to be hard for you to not uh try to nudge her one way no i learned a long time ago kate kate <laughs> does her homework and and she made the right decision uh, for her, and uh, um, all you can do is clap. I, I I learned that in about five minutes when she was working here. She's she's I, she's I I I adore your granddaughter, and thank you for sending her our way. Dan, we got a rare fifty degree day, fifty degree December day in Northfield. Yeah. Is your tennis racket still out of the case? Uh, it's it's always ready, but, <laughs> but it isn't going to be. Outdoors, oh. um, Jack actually played last night down in down in Owatonna. Is that right? Yeah, I, I've been uh, resting a little bit before uh, starting up again. I'll start up again. We go to Florida for a while. Awesome, that's great. Uh, Jack, I'm going to ask you to turn that microphone just a touch. There, there you go. So we can pick you up a little bit better. Okay, um, education is one of my, actually my one of my favorite things to talk about. So let's uh, let's get to it. Um, Dan, just if you wouldn't mind, give us an overview of the uh, Cannon Valley Elder Collegium, how it got started, what's, what's the mission, and then how, how did you get involved with, with the Elder Collegium? Well, Cannon Valley Elder Collegium was started 20, 26 years ago by some uh, retired uh, Carleton and St. Olaf faculty members who, as they were thinking about uh, the future for themselves and the things that they and people they knew would like to do, um, uh, they decided that uh, to start what is essentially a liberal arts college for um, for elders in in Northfield, um, focused on the kinds of big questions that, that uh, people our age um, struggle with and hope, mm -hmm. hope we can uh, solve as a country or or at least improve. Um, Questions that uh, involve searching uh, the evidence and 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 trying to uh, to get some get to a better place yeah. in, in in your own thinking about about them. So uh, they began doing it. That it functions three terms, three terms a year, like the Carlton schedules: a fall, winter, and spring term. Uh, 
the classes run eight weeks, uh, two hours, uh, two hours a class. Um, most of them are in person uh, in in Northfield. Mm-hmm. Um, they were always uh, in person in Northfield until COVID. Yeah, uh, and then all of a sudden, all the courses had to had to be taught uh, online. Right. So a residue of of that is that we do teach uh, every term uh, still some some courses on Zoom because we've discovered that. Uh, Northfielders don't always stay in Northfield. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, especially especially in the winter. We we, um, we uh, scatter when the snow flies. Yeah, and some and some of our best uh, teachers don't always stay in Northfield, or right. at least are are not here uh, the whole year. And so, teaching via Zoom from a distance is a way to keep keep them mm-hmm. them uh, attached. Um, we serve a, a couple hundred students over the course of the over the course of the, the year. Um, in any in any term, that's about the number mm-hmm. the number of students who uh, who enroll, and um, costs fifty dollars. Uh, it's been fifty dollars per course for twenty six years. Mm-hmm. So, that's uh, fantastic. The, the idea that uh, there's been such a such a decline in the real cost of a of a, of a CVEC course over time. If we would only get the, the, the government to include it in the inflation calculation. <laughs> inflation would be near zero uh, around. So that's, so that's basically it. But I, I guess the, the important thing to keep emphasizing, so I'm glad you've described this as a, a conversation about lifelong learning and, and uh, yep. uh, because that's, uh, that's what CVEC is really, really about. And uh, we listen carefully to the, to the kinds of things we hear from our friends and colleagues or students when we're teaching about uh, topics they'd like to, uh, like to have us try to, try to address. And as the curriculum director, I'm the one who sort of finds the teachers and supports the teachers and, and helps them be able to do uh, produce the, the the quality that we're that we're looking for in these courses. How was the collegium uh, lucky enough to land you as the, uh, the the curriculum director? Well, when we moved we moved back to uh, to Northfield, uh, all of our friends said, you know, first of all, they said you got to start taking courses in CVEC mm. because it's really. And then they said, you know, you ought to teach a course in CVEC. So I did. I taught a course on on higher education uh, first first time six six years ago. I'm teaching it again with a. Um, an updated course with another retired college president this, this winter term uh, via via Zoom. So I got involved that way, and then uh, uh, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for this for this mm-hmm. sort of thing. When uh, when Perry Mason, who is an old friend and colleague, uh, uh, had to step down as uh, curriculum director, so they approached me, and I thought about it for a little bit, and and said, "This is what I've always loved to love to do: try to find." And find great people, great teachers, and support them. Uh, I'll never forget what my dad told me when I went to St. Lawrence. He said, "Find out who the best teachers are, and whatever they teach, take it." Oh, and that's, yeah. that's that's been my philosophy, and that's that's the way I try to approach this. Uh, find really good people that that I and others, and lots of people in the community, would like to learn from, and then try to support them in in delivering. Uh, uh, a stimulating and challenging uh, educational experience. So, uh, I, I guess it's kind of a two-part question. What are what are some of the uh, the classes? I went on the the website and looked, and there's some stuff that I think is really interesting. But what are some of the classes that are offered? And really, I'm I'm, I'm be interested to hear about how you go about developing those classes, and and uh, where do you go find your instructors? Well, a lot, a lot of that is uh, word of mouth and, and knowing people. I, I, uh, uh, there's a network of, of uh, informants, if mm-hmm. you will. There's a spy network <laughs> in the area uh, that uh, whispers, and people whisper to me from time to time, you know, you ought to try to get so-and-so talk to uh, this involved guy, yeah. in this. And that's how, th- well, how this guy got involved, Joe Moravchik yeah. got involved. We were sitting here last spring talking about higher education, and we finished, and Joe said, you know, maybe I'd like to teach a course in CVEC. And so right after that, I always buy the coffee, mm-hmm. and uh, that led to a <laughs> coffee, and that's kind of how it, how it works. And, and I, I, spend a, I spend a fair amount of time selling because uh, the, the pay is just so phenomenal. 
I mean, at 50 bucks a course, you guys must be rolling in dough. We are rolling. Well, that's the paradox of it. The Cannon Valley Elder Collegium, I believe, is the most financially solvent 501c3 in the state of Minnesota. Wow. And you think about it. We have no buildings, right? We do do give instructors a modest honorarium. Um, We don't have any office space. Uh, And so... Uh, and we do have uh, an endowment that's now almost two hundred thousand dollars wow. that spins off some wow. uh, some revenue. So that's why the that's why the tuition has has been able to stay the same for for twenty six years. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great. Uh, Dan, what does a typical student look like? Who takes the courses at CVC? And then, additionally, what what is the typical student looking for in a CVC course? Well, the the base the baseline uh, in our, in our bylaws is that it's intended for students who are at least fifty yeah. fifty years old. But if there's space available in the course, uh, people who are younger than fifty can uh, can take a course. I believe I haven't confirmed it. I was going to try to confirm it for today's uh, discussion that we have a, a twelve or thirteen year old student taking uh, David Nitz's course on astronomy. Hmm. Uh, with her mother uh, yeah. in, in in the winter term, and we had the, you know, we had special uh, special conversations about all of that. So it is it is open, but we try to reserve spots for uh, for people who are fifty and over. And who? What are they looking for in the course? I'm, I mean, you're you're going to ask Jack that in a minute. I know, but they're uh, they're at a time in life where. Uh, they have they have time, but they're also wrestling with uh, big questions in their own lives and the world around them, um, and uh, they'd like to gain greater understanding uh, uh, of those issues and use that understanding to make their remaining years more meaningful. Yeah. And uh, and again, I hope you talk about your course a little later as well because that's exactly what what your course is about if he if he doesn't start talking about his course i'm going to ask him about it so uh jack uh, what what was it about the 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 collegium that attracted you and and how has it been as a as a retired master carpenter to find yourself back in a classroom well i guess um I'm a, what Dan would describe as a lifelong learner. I'm just interested in a lot of things. Um, I'm interested in history, literature, mm-hmm. music, politics. Um, these are all things I, I uh, you know, it's it's fun. The classes are fun. There are no tests or exams, and it's it's. Uh, it feels like when you get into the class, you feel intimidated at first sometimes. At least I. <laughs> Because we usually go around the room and, you know, talk about why we were taking the class, who we are, and things like that. And, gosh, there are a lot of really smart people in these classes. But then there are lots of other types of people, too. Um, You know, uh, farmers' wives, Mm -hmm. small business people. Um, But then, yeah, there's a number of PhDs, you know. But these are the kind of people that it's great to, you know, talk to in these classes because... I wasn't an English major, you know, and I, I took classes. Uh, one of the classes was uh, Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky, you know, a book that I love. And But I, you know, haven't really just, you know, studied it in depth. So, um, um, yeah, that was one example of a good class. Um, is, is there is there a... I, I'm just I'm I'm a little bit fascinated by by this and, and maybe the, the the culture there is there a camaraderie among uh, among the students the way you'd get in pretty much every other school. Um, I I don't know if that's true. That there are there are some people that take a lot of the classes who I I've met and and but really a, a large group of people. Yeah. So I haven't I haven't really noticed <laughs> that as a particular student body sure you know. all right 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 so so what other classes have you taken besides your uh your, your um took a, another one uh taught by the same russian professor from carlton that taught the the dostoevsky one on uh, uh, soviet russian literature that was interesting um uh, took a class on uh 
Welsh culture and, and history. That was that was good. Um, let's see. Um, I took a great class on DNA, um, and I'm not, you know, really conversant with much, you know, scientific yeah. <laughs> knowledge. But I um, uh, that was really great. Is um, that is that getting into like like the biology of it or? Well, we we had a thick book. Right to read about this, <laughs> and uh, there were, it was taught by a, a, a retired physician from uh, Mayo Clinic and a, also a, a lawyer. So we talked about you know all the legal implications of DNA and the legal world as, as well as the science of it. Um, That's so, fascinating. Yeah, so that was that was really fascinating, and that was. Uh, one of these classes where I just thought I'm probably going to be lost, but they were, the instructors were really good and ex explained a lot of this stuff, you know, coherently. So, yeah, we had a very good discussion in that class. Um, let's see. Oh, it took a, another great class on the um, economic theories of uh, Thomas Piketty, his French uh, economist, yeah. uh, uh, about equality. And uh, Dan was... Uh, involved in teaching that class also, um, along with a, an economics professor from Carleton. Uh, that was good. Um, and I took a jazz listening class from taught by a, a professor from uh, St. Olaf. My, uh, my pal Dave Hagedorn. Yes, Dave Hagedorn yeah. taught that class. And I, I want to take that class. That's, it's mm. coming up. You can take that again. Um, <laughs> I don't have the time right now, but I'm going to take yeah, that class. That's a, that's a great class, uh, really. And, and I have a Son-in-law, I was a jazz pianist, and and so that really increased my knowledge of jazz listening and history and and whatnot. So that was a great class. Um, yeah, I've, I've taken a few other ones, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it just it just. I'm looking forward to taking one one on opera coming up. Oh, know, and very nice. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, adding to Jack's point about the the people that take these courses yeah so i taught my first course it was the history and current state of u.s policing i had a professor in there a teacher a lawyer another police officer multiple small business owners mm -hmm. and they were many of them were world travelers you know yeah. peace corps and had been to dozens of countries and they just have all these wonderful experiences and perspectives it makes for a wonderful uh discussion i have to believe that those classroom discussions are amazing yeah well it's, it's also an illustration of a of, of another point is that um not all the the instructors are retired professors uh just looking at, at the winter term coming up we're teaching 15 courses and six of them are being taught by people who were not uh faculty uh at a at a college we have a course on on braiding sweetgrass, the, the the book that's uh, hmm. that's so popular and it's yeah. and it's now full. Um, we have a course on Northfield history that uh, around the Civil War and the and the impact of the Civil War on on the area and the development of, of Northfield. And hmm. she's not a um, so. Uh, Paul Kluge is teaching uh, again his course on Vietnam history, and Paul is uh, so. What we what we look for are people who who have um, things to say, things to share, and who hopefully have the, the pedagogical inclinations to engage mm -hmm. uh, lifelong learners in, in uh, studying a, a big question. And, and uh, some, of, some of what we do, I think, is, is bold. I think the course Joe, Joe Shaw taught, just taught on the on you on policing in the United States, which he's going to teach again in the spring, uh, is uh, and it and it required pay, paid attention to what the law is, what the evidence is, what's going on, um, open and honest and encouraging dialogue and mm -hmm. and uh, you know the idea that in in the state of Minnesota with uh, with George Floyd, yeah. you could have a, a course like this, and the reviews of the course were just terrific and oh, so expect nothing that's less. what we try to do some some courses are 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 involved difficult questions not just not just uh big questions and and they, re they require teachers who who can make the whole thing sure. work 
you know, I mean, you, you just you just said it, and we've talked about it on this show. Um, policing is it's a hot button topic in 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 this country right now. Joe, how do you how do you approach putting a, a course like that together? Uh, I'm putting you on the spot. That's a big man. question right there. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I spent a lot of time with Dan early on because it's a, we're talking about a broad topic. We've yes. got eight weeks to cover, to put together a course, two hours a period. So I needed some direction on how to limit the scope of it, and Dan was great about that. Um, a couple of things. Good police officers and good police departments are important aspects of society. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get mm-hmm. that across. But there are big questions out there. You know, after the in-custody death of George Floyd, how could we not talk about how that has affected police work? Sure. And what was interesting about our co- our class was, imagine, everybody had a different perspective, a different viewpoint, but we were, at, we were able to have civil dialogue about these big questions in police work. Yeah. I completely appreciated um, how we were able to have those uh, civil that civil dialogue as a group and answer some of the big questions so it was great i i'm i'm very happy to be invited back to do it in the spring i had a great experience with the group i had this fall um can we talk a little bit more about lifelong learning yes um i'll ask both of you a question about it dan a focus of the program offerings at cvc is lifelong learning this idea of engaging in the pursuit of new interests, knowledge, and skills, perhaps uncovering new talents, certainly personal development. But there has to be other benefits as well to taking courses when you're over 50. A lot of the students in my class were in their 70s, such as the interaction with other learners to expand social connections and even keeping the brain active for proper cognitive function and memory. Can you speak more about the importance of lifelong learning? Well, um, uh, a, a Carlton alumnus who I was—I spent many years trying to um, help him give more of his money to Carlton. <laughs> uh, used to say to me, "Sully," he'd say, "You're never educated until you're dead," mm-hmm. and and that's that's true and. Uh, I, I, I suppose it's certainly possible to be alive and not mentally competent. Uh, we we know that's possible, but but uh, um, and the and the uh, well, again, what we hear over and over, and what I certainly feel and have experienced in my own life is that uh, um, working the brain, thinking about things, trying to gain new knowledge and understanding but uh, try to look at all the evidence around mm-hmm. around certain things it just this makes life more fulfilling uh, it makes you a better conversation partner in all of your social social groups and I think in Jack Jack's uh, Jack talked about well do the students uh, uh, connect together and in, in other places uh, yes yes they do I mean a per- perfect example is our our tennis group probably has at any given time five or six of us who are either taking or teaching uh, courses in the CBC, CBC. Mm-hmm. and when you when you change sides in the court you know you got to stop and drink a <laughs> drink a sip, <laughs> sip of water and and pretty soon you know you're you're talking about uh, there were uh, three of us in, in in the tennis group taking taking a course on the paradoxes of Thomas Jefferson last fall which was just just fascinating, and we and the course itself was the instructor was a old friend of mine who's a retired professor at Notre Dame. When are you going to offer that class again? Because I'm signing up right now. <laughs> well, uh, it was it was full when we yeah. when we offered it, and yeah. I I've been doing everything I can to bribe him into in, into doing it again. All right, and, uh, it will happen, mm-hmm. um, but I don't have him. I don't have a signed commitment yet at okay. this point but 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 thing, things like that and and the students in the class you you bump into people this is a small town mm-hmm. and um, you you bump into people and uh, I now have people I can talk to that I've had both as students in classes and also taken classes with so I do think it it uh, 
it broadens the you you end up you end up if you're a, an academic you're you're ending up in in classes both teaching and taking classes with the kinds of people Joe was just talking about mm-hmm. the diverse cross section of of the of the people in this in this area and um, you you learn that they have things to say that you hadn't thought about before and hadn't hadn't known before so uh, it's it's really the it, it's an example of the way diverse perspectives uh, make education make education better voices making getting voices that you don't ordinarily encounter uh, into the conversation can uh, make it all better I was going to say same question to you Jack about the importance of lifelong learning and some of the benefits you have personally experienced from being part of the many courses that you've taken at CVEC mm. <clears throat> yeah I am um I guess I I always think of a particular you know, professor that I had at Saint Olaf when we were studying I think political philosophy and he explained to us that what we're 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 in a dialogue with these writers you know and and um, the dialogue continues you know, Plato Aristotle whatnot and it could apply to any of these other subjects. Um, that we study at, at CVC, uh, um, sorry, C- CBEC. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, and um, yeah, it's been great to um, talk about these things with people in the class. Uh, a lot of ideas that I hadn't thought of uh, come up um, from people in the class as well as from the instructors, and. And yeah, and the, as Dan was talking about, the social interactions also uh, been very important to me. Yeah. Good. Jack, how many? How many? Oh, I should say, are you are you taking a class every every term? I, I didn't take any during the pandemic. I didn't yeah, take okay. any of the Zoom classes. Sure. I just yeah, <laughs> just didn't feel a lot of people feel like it, it was that. just not the same. Um, but um, yeah, otherwise, I I try to take one or two. Yeah, it's hard to choose. Um, yeah, there I can imagine dozen offerings. You know, I and and it does. You, I mean, it does. The class schedule does allow for you to take more than one class in a term. Yes. Okay. The the classes are spread equally throughout. They're they're in the morning and the afternoon, uh, all all five days of the week, and we spread them around so that. Okay. Uh, and we have we have some students who will take three every. Wow. Uh, I've taken. I took two last uh, last fall. And um, um, you know the 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 each each class has its own expectations for student preparation for class. Sometimes there's a fair amount of reading. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a film to watch uh, uh, in between in between class sessions. Um, but as Jack said, there's no grading. There are no exams. So you, know, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to. But if you do, you can. This is my kind of school that I don't have to worry about my GPA. I like that. <laughs> um, are, do they t- typically meet once a week? Once once a week for two hours. Okay. And and it's either 9.30 to 11.30 in the morning or 1.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon. Okay. Oh, gosh. Sounds great. Folks, you're listening to Public Policy This Week on KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1, broadcasting from beautiful downtown Northfield, Minnesota. I'm Rich Larson. My co-host is Joe Moravchik. We're talking today with Dan Sullivan and Jack Seeloff about the Cannon Valley Elder Collegium, which offers high-quality educational programs for students 50 and over. All right, Dan, so we know there are three terms, the fall, winter, and spring terms. We know there are multiple course offerings each term. Is there, so you got the winter term coming up. Is there still availability? Can people still sign up for a winter course? Yes, there are, there are 15 courses being offered in the winter term. Okay. The registration is open until the uh, 11th of December. And then it stays open until classes start afterward. If there are people who want to register late or if, or if people drop out of a class, uh, each class has a limit typically in-person classes have a limit of 20 students okay. per class, and Zoom classes has a, have a limit of 15. Yeah. If you um, register before the end of the deadline, uh, it's not a first-come, first-serve. Uh, 
uh, obviously everybody gets in if the if the course is open. But when a course uh, exceeds its limit, then there's a everybody goes into a into a um, a random a random selection uh, process to okay. uh, to to become a become a member. We have one course that, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll just <laughs> just say this because he's one of the great teachers I've ever encountered. Uh, Ed Langrack uh, is teaching a course again. The title is "Aging is Hard: Can Philosophy Help?" <laughs> <laughs> and then he jokes, uh, you know, the course could have been "Philosophy is Hard." Does help? <laughs> And that course was over, oversubscribed the first day. Wow! Unfortunately, um, so there are a lot of there are a lot of, but he promises he'll teach it again. Uh, so that's that's you know that's that's how it works. The everything is available for view on the Canon on the CVEC website, which is cvec.org. You can see both short descriptions and long descriptions of the courses. You can register online, or you could register. Uh, by mail, and um, uh, courses that uh, uh, will remain open until the week or two after the beginning of the course, if, if people people can register. So, um, and you know, like uh, one, the one thing that uh, elder students share with uh, current students is they often leave things till the last minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, but yes, uh, uh, I, I'm as I said, I'm teaching a, a course again this uh, this winter on higher education. But there's a, a range of courses. This fascinating uh, course on uh, taught by Rich Knorr, who is one of the great physics teachers uh, anywhere, on on the physics of light. And Rich's course is always is is just about oversubscribed already. I mean, he's uh, he he can. Uh, I had a favorite math professor on the faculty when I was president of St. Lawrence, and mm-hmm. she she would uh, say, "I can teach calculus to anybody." I would my, challenge that. My, <laughs> no, my, she said, "My job, my job is is to is to cause students to learn calculus, and I can wow. I can do that." And that's what Rich can do with with a very difficult question. He taught a course in quantum entanglement. Hmm. Which is which is a really weird uh, idea. That's from, deep theoretical stuff there. Uh, yeah. And class fills the uh, the students love it. Uh, Mary Savina's course and Jack is talking about an, an opera. It's called uh, What's Opera Doc. It's a takeoff on What's Up Doc. Yeah. Now Mary is not a not she's a she's a geologist and archaeologist, mm-hmm. but uh, for her entire life she's been she's been in a an opera aficionado and she has. And she's a singer uh, also. She has uh, very interesting ways of approaching things like so. Her course is, you know, uh, going going great guns. And so that's the that's the fun about it. Even even the, the people who teach who are former professors often teach in uh, in an area that uh, that wasn't there. But it's something that you know, like like Jack is 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 a as a music aficionado and there are people who who develop deep skills and knowledge in in areas that they didn't actually uh so that's typical tim madigan is teaching again on on the 1970s and tim is not a former faculty member he's a he's a former mayor and uh, uh it's, it's just it's just fun to watch all of this uh all of this work i've i've been looking on the cvc website um uh, just to look at the course offerings, and I, the, the ones that, that that really just caught my eye, the, the history of Northfield one, it looked really interesting, and uh, the astronomy one, and then I saw my pal Dave Hagedorn's name on there, and I went, oh, I want to take his, uh, Dave Hagedorn, uh, just to give you a plug for your, your, your faculty, is um, acknowledged as one of the best vibraphone players in the world, in the world, exactly. there are there are not twenty people better than him in the yeah, world at what yeah. he does, and he he is he's he's a brilliant mind, and 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 you've got him teaching at the CEVC. Um, like you said, one of the state objectives is to provide a rich academic experience with with challenging coursework. So, in order to take a, a CVEC course. Um, 
do you, does one have to have a, a, a formal education? Is there, you know, do I have to present my college transcript from St. Olaf? Or, <laughs> <Nope>. uh, <laughs> you, you know, and we talked a little bit about uh, um, grades and such, but is there, is there homework? Is there grades? Just, and, you know, maybe nope, both nope, of you to talk No about. grades. There is, there is often, often reading uh, mm-hmm. or preparation to do. But the courses are aimed at, at a diverse uh, audience. And so the, um, you know, um, Rich Norris course on, on light is not going to involve um, abstract mathematics and uh, students aren't going to be doing, doing that sort of work. Paul uh, Zorn, who's a retired St. Olaf math, math professor, taught a course for us on the concept of infinity. And he, and, he, and he taught a course on calculus without the calculation. Mm-hmm. So focusing on the real, the, the really deep insights, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the things that calculus allows you to do and helping students understand what that is, not, not that they have to be able to, uh, to do the calculation. So it's, uh, uh, and, and some, sometimes we don't get it exactly, exactly right, but I think, uh, and, and Jack and, can attest to this. The students are are very diverse, and they're but but what they haven't what they have in common is they they want to learn things and they want to they want to participate in a, in uh, conversations around big questions and both 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 learn things but also have a chance to share their uh, share their perspectives on uh, from where they're from where they're coming from. Jack, I want to ask you the same question. Uh, what is a typical class like for, for students? Is it is it is it is it lecture and, and note taking? Is it interactive? How does it how does it work? Not so much lecture. Um, and some of the classes, uh, the one that I just got done taking about a, a, a little book by an author named Timothy Snyder on tyranny. That was really mostly discussion, that mm-hmm. class. There were very, very little <laughs> introductory um, remarks from the instructor there. Um, she guided the discussions really well, but still the class was sort of centered around what the people wanted to talk about in the class. Um, but, but most of the other classes are, um, yeah, can, uh, like let's say the Dave Hagedorn's jazz class, we would listen to some selections. Um, they would explain the significance of these uh, pieces in, in the history of jazz, um, explain you know, how, what the form was that, that they were playing in, uh, it, whether it was 12-bar you know, blues or mm-hmm. popular song form. Um, and then we would talk about it a little bit but there in that class there was so much music played that we didn't talk a lot um whereas yeah yeah so it it varies i would say um were you a fan of jazz before you took the class did you come out of there um, a fan of jazz uh i i was a fan of jazz but i I just didn't have an understanding of Mm -hmm. that much of how it worked (laughs) a little bit i had a little bit of understanding but but i now i understand i really can increase my enjoyment of listening to jazz a lot you know when i'm listening to it now i can i can really tell what's going on and and what this (laughs) a little bit (laughs) what's going on (laughs) so yeah i i would say that the typical Pedagogy is what I would call a guided, a guided discussion mm-hmm. of of the readings. So, so the what the and, and the the instructor might um, lecture very briefly. Might might think it was important to clarify something that might be hard to uh, to grasp just from the just from the reading. But the but then to uh, cer- certainly our our course on on the paradoxes of Thomas Jefferson was. Was entirely the, the the reading was between eight and twenty pages of Jefferson's letters and writings. Sure, uh, and we read them two or three times mm-hmm. uh, in preparation. But then the the discussion was was very close textual analysis to, to try to f- understand where Jefferson actually was on some of the issues that were um, that he's known to be 
uh, complicated. And those conversations could go on for hours. But they're but they're guided by the, okay. uh, the, the good good instructors know how to how to engage students and get them to mm-hmm. join those those conversations. And that's that's the uh, I would say the the predominant pedagogy. Right. right. Joe, is that what you're, what you're looking for when you uh, when you teach a class? Do you want to throw an idea out there and, and, and see what comes back, or how does it how, how does it work for you as an instructor? Well, so uh, a lot of times I'd start the courses with a PowerPoint because mm-hmm. what the PowerPoint allows me to do is to organize things for everybody in class, but also you can bring the characters of the class to life with images. You know, we did some history where we talked about how police departments were established in the mid-1800s in the East, but very different in the West, more of a vigilante justice scenario. And when we talked about things like the Texas Rangers and the James Gang and Mm -hmm. such, you could bring that to life with those images on the PowerPoint screen. And then from there, uh, we always got into, there were always big questions for every class, they had um, podcasts to listen to mm-hmm. outside of class, and they would bring those questions to class, and then we'd have these wonderful discussions, I guess, centered around the the organization of the PowerPoints that we'd start with. Yeah. So, yeah. That's great. So, um, Dan, many of your instructors, like, like my, my, my uh, co-host here, Joe, um, have profound and remarkable backgrounds. Um, we talk, I asked you a little bit about this before. I kind of want to dig down on this a little bit, though. How do you recruit your teachers? And how does the, uh, the collegium decide what courses to teach? Yeah. Um, with your distinguished background in education, sir, do you offer, do you do anything? Well, um, obviously, as a, as a college president, you're, you're concerned about the whole whole range of things, uh, not just your own discipline. So, yeah. so certainly many years of experience hiring faculty and, and uh, trying to find the ones who were going to engage our students is uh, something I bring to the, bring to the table. Mm-hmm. The title of the, that I have, which is curriculum director, is really a misnomer because there, there really is no curriculum. You know, there's, right. no, there's no Department of English that, that that has a whole list of courses right. that uh, right. uh, we start the other way. You start by finding instructors, and um, and you and as I, and as I say, you know, we a lot of it is uh, word of mouth. We have a long list of, of people who have taught in CVEC before and who like to teach again from time to mm-hmm. time, and so we uh, keep track of the each of the courses has a course evaluation, so we know the courses that the students. Uh, like the best and the ones you know where they would have suggestions for improvement uh so so that's what it is and i i spend uh, a lot of time trying to find new people we uh a lot of it is as i say word of word of mouth every every year some people retire from st olaf and carlton mm-hmm. uh it takes them a year or two uh, uh to calm down after <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and take a couple of deep breaths and, yeah. and imagine that they would like to teach again and then they begin to think about how the how they're not you know if they teach in CVEC like uh, they get to do just the fun stuff which is the which is uh, interact with people around something they care about and they're not they're not assessing them they're not writing recommendations for mm-hmm. them they're not uh, dealing with their family crises and all of the other things that uh, instructors have so they so they uh, a typical experience is a year or two after after they retire, uh, they'll send a signal to one of one of my spies, <laughs> uh, who immediately contact me, and then I, and then we go to coffee, yeah. and, and and I sell. They, and they, I, they 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 put a potted plant on their balcony with a little <laughs> red flag in there, and that's <laughs> no, not we don't go that go that far. But but a lot of it is a lot of it is is is, is selling. It's uh, it's yeah. uh, it's. Uh, and knowing that um, that that they are likely looking for things mm-hmm. in their life to uh, that are meaningful, that that uh, uh, so that they can spend whatever time they they have left doing something that they value and mm-hmm. um, believing and and actually making a difference with uh, with uh, with people. So that's that's what it is. So it's all. And then I rope them in, and I, and I, 
I, I sometimes uh, edit their proposals and mm-hmm. and things of that sort. But it's but it's uh, an important part of it is is expressing gratitude uh, to uh, making sure that they know how uh, valuable and important what they what they do in CVEC is to the to the students who uh, who do this because again they, they're not doing this for anything practical they're not they're not using it to get a better job they're not they're not looking for any credentials they're they're they want um, they they want a, a, a serious and engaging learning experience and that's easy to sell yeah actually if, and I would imagine it I mean it, it you don't have to I used to be in sales and they would they would tell me you have to contact somebody twelve times before they'll buy something from you. I would imagine it doesn't take you twelve conversations to recruit a no, but an the, instructor. But, but the analogy in fundraising is it is it it, uh, it takes about ten significant engagements yep. with a donor to get a significant gift. Um, in CVC, CVEC, it's typically two to two to three, and sometimes hmm. sometimes less. So it's just a different. And again, they're certainly not doing it for the money and and s- several several instructors each term say um thank you for this i'm gla- i feel I'm, uh, I'm glad that you express your gratitude by uh sending this honorarium but i think you need it more than i do and and so i'm sending it back i want to ask a little bit just going off off script here for a second i have to imagine it works a lot of the time, but not maybe all of the time. Uh, Jack, have you ever found yourself at the end of a course where you had to write an, an evaluation that wasn't um, great? And, and 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 Dan, how do you how, how do you deal with that that situation then? I don't I don't think I ever have had to do that. Okay. Um, so yeah. you, 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 yeah. no disappointments. That's that's pretty good. Um, well, I, I guess I, I had higher expectations <laughs> for, <laughs> for at least at least one that I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, okay. That I, it just, it, but it, it's just, uh, you know, it's 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 you get a mix of people. Fifteen people in a class. Twenty. Well, not twenty, but yeah, fifteen people mm-hmm. in a class, uh, and the discussions are just. Sometimes you walk out and think, "How did it go that way?" You know, <laughs> we, we, we went off topic or something, and right. and, and I, I don't think we needed to talk about that. This was, you know, um, so yeah. So each class is different uh, mm-hmm. in that respect. Um, yeah, yeah. And it, you, there's a reason that you ask for the evaluations. I mean, I have to believe you're always looking to improve, right? Exactly. I, I would say. It's hard to hard to imagine that there's ever been a CVEC class that's perfect, mm-hmm. and so every class has a um, has a diversity of students in it, and and they will respond in different ways. So for some for some students, the pedagogy is exact exactly the way they learn; that's precisely the way they would like to approach it. Other students mm-hmm. uh, less so. Um, whenever you have a class that where students are uh, expected to participate, as Jack says, the uh, instructor is ceding some control over mm-hmm. what happens in the class to the people who are in the class, sure. and and that doesn't always work well. So what I do with it is that uh, we share the results with the instructors. I I, I meet with them uh, uh, typically anyway because we're talking about another, but but uh, uh, candid candid feedback mm-hmm. uh, is uh, uh, is important and and typically typically welcomed. Oh yeah. One of the things that happens is uh, uh, takes takes uh, a time or two for t- for new instructors to get it. Is that um, s- the students in the elder collegium are just just fundamentally different. They're world they're world wise. They have vast experience, uh, and the students that they're used to teaching are typically you know between eighteen and. Mm-hmm. 22 or 20, 23, mm-hmm. three years old. They have a whole different set of set of things. Um, depending upon where you where you taught, when I first started teaching at Carleton in 1971, um, the students would read everything. That mm-hmm. you know they were, but you but you know the the, the 60s and the and the transformation. That pretty soon 
the, the students would do do what uh, of course I it took me a while to learn to do as an adult that not everything somebody asks you to read is actually worth reading and one of the most important things you've got to learn how to do is when not to when mm-hmm. to say this is this is this is not this is not worth reading I'm right. gonna move on to something that I think is is worth worth reading and so professors that are, are people who have taught and uh, making the transition to the different audience uh, sometimes takes a course or uh, takes a course or two uh, they, they they ask students to read too much or they, they mm-hmm. ask them to read things that are um, saying the same thing in different ways and so there's no sure. there's no there's not so much marginal yeah. um, so all of that is part of the part of the dialogue and then and then of course there are there are people who we don't invite to teach uh, again, mm-hmm. uh, but that's but that's rare. Yeah, I would I would I would guess just keeping in mind the the, the people who are taking the course and why they're taking the courses. I, I would think workload would actually uh, be a, a concern from time to time as as an instructor, wouldn't it? Or or would it? Well, it depends on the the. This is a, I can I can tell this story I guess because I am a sociologist. <laughs> um, the um, very, I want to say this carefully, very little that's written in sociology is worth reading carefully. Okay. <laughs> it's almost always worth reading. Sure. It, but the way you read it and what you look for, mm-hmm. um, and when I say by reading carefully, it's, it, it's, it's not going to be great literature. I mean, there are there are things that you can read in some courses, and you're, and you're reading it, and you're just left breathless at the end yeah. of it how... how Transforming just the experience of reading it was, yeah. was right, mm-hmm. and so so there are, um, you know, there are there are so instructors have to have to understand that they're they're now dealing with people who have other things to do in their mm-hmm. life, and if you want them to engage, you have to you have to you have to get where they are. You have to pick your pick your spots a little bit. I put a great amount of time not only to my original outline that I had to present to Dan, but also in between classes in preparation mm-hmm. for it. You know, I wanted to represent CVEC well. I wanted to represent myself well. But when I walked in that classroom, there was an, these are accomplished people. Yeah. And there was an expectation that you better do a good job for these people. And I, I felt a little bit of pressure to do that every week. But I pressure in a good way mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. for getting things ready to go and... I can't, I can't imagine you actually putting some work into, into preparation, John. Uh, having worked with you for a year and a half on the show, I, what? You prepare? Are you kidding? Well, I learned, I learned my mom is a 78-year-old. She's still, still a high school teacher, still works with the school plays. I get that level of press, or, uh, preparation from her. Yeah. You know, she's one of those foundational teachers at a high school. And so boy, one, one of the classes I taught, I had two former college uh, Carlton colleagues in the in the class and and these days you know people bring laptops to class and mm-hmm. all the classes have wi-fi so they were fact checking me <laughs> so, I, so, I'm, so i'm up there we're talking about it and all of a sudden i seem yeah. going like this and all of a sudden the, uh, all of a sudden they found some article over here but uh that was so that was that was challenging this this was all they were terrific about mm-hmm. it i mean they were this was all very constructive stuff but that that doesn't happen to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. your, your average carlton junior probably isn't going to do that to uh, one of their professors so um so dan we um we know cvec is located in northfield where are the courses taught? Did we talk about where the actual physical locations are? I have yet are? to say NCRC, yeah. so no. I, I, They're I, typically, uh, most of the classes in person are in Village on the Cannon. There'll be five or six of them there. This winter term, five of the classes are on Zoom. Ten of them are in person. Five of those are in Village on the Canton. Cannon two are in Kildall Community Room. Uh, two are in the Northfield Community College classroom, which mm-hmm. is a great, uh, great classroom. We've been uh, fortunate to uh, uh, to have, and I guess that not five, but six of the courses are in Village on the Can. Uh, we we have taught uh, courses in Faribault as well. We uh, uh, the County Historical Society space is a is a is a good place to teach. Mm-hmm. We keep trying to reach out a, a little bit out of Northfield itself. We'd love to discover a, a larger market in Faribault, and we would 
conceivably teach courses mm. teach courses there excellent well not everybody can can you not everybody can just jump online and register there um is there a physical ad office address uh, th there is and and uh i i should have brought the we've changed the post office this this is uh, you can still pick things. You can still send things to the CBEC address at 1651 Jefferson Parkway in Northfield. And that telephone number works uh, for CBEC. So you can register with a phone call? You can register for a phone call, but you can... You can uh, everybody, everybody, there's a huge mailing list, and people get, get a, a physical copy. They can, they can just print and, okay. and submit by mail. They can hand deliver it to... Uh, 50 North, if, the, if they want, they can send it. We have a separate mailing address in Faribault as well, a post office box in, in, in Faribault. But the best place to see all all of these options is is uh, is on the website. Although, it's, you know, again, not everybody's on the website, but right. we're communicating with uh, seven, eight hundred people um, via uh, hard copy and also also email. So That's cvec.org, the website. Cvec.org. Okay. Yeah. That's it. All right. This, uh, this show, we always like to give our, uh, uh, our guests the last word on uh, what we're talking about. Is there anything we, uh, Jack, is there anything we, uh, we uh, didn't talk about, anything we missed about the CVEC you think people should know? Uh, well, <clears throat> I, would, I would say uh, try to register early for the classes because they fill up as the best ones anyway, as Dan was saying. Um, or the ones that you're interested in <laughs> might fill up really, <laughs> right. really quickly. I think we're getting to the end of the registration period for this. We we are and term, yep. um, but you can get on the email list. I would say, yep, pretty easily, and uh, so they'll let you know immediately when the classes are available. And then, yeah, it's it's important to, to not dilly dally around and. Uh, for a couple of weeks, just you know, try to register. If you're interested in that class, try to register early for it. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I don't think we we defined. You know, there's a, there's a fall, a winter, and a spring term. Is that correct? What typically? What are the 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 dates and all that? And when do when do course uh, uh, res, re, registration open? When does that open? Registration for winter is open now, okay. and, and it's uh, uh, it closes on the on the 11th. But courses that are um, that are what what closes on the 11th of December is classes that are all that are oversubscribed, mm -hmm. and then they'll do a random random selection for for who gets in. So, mm. um, in a way, I mean Jack Jack is partly right that you should try to register early, but but if a class is oversubscribed, registering early won't have improved your chances to get in because if, it's if, be if a I assume selection. three or four different aliases can I can I enter more than once uh, <laughs> you, uh, you could okay <laughs> <laughs> you could um, and uh, then the the winter term courses start on on January 9th and they'll go yeah. for eight weeks and then the spring term starts the last week in March and goes yeah. through the middle of middle of May when does when does the, uh, the the spring term registration open? It it will uh, uh, start around the first of March. Okay, okay, all right, I got it. And so, Dan, anything that uh, you think we should uh, we yeah, uh, touch uh, on? And this is just on a on a slightly different topic. I would just say, you know, things like KYMN radio and local local news, local uh, stuff is really important. For communities, and uh, and I think I just want to say that uh, what you guys do down here and what happens uh, elsewhere is uh, critically important for American democracy, for uh, all of the rest of it, and hmm. and just keep it up. Thank you, yeah. sir. Those are, those are kind words. I appreciate that. Should we wrap it up? I suppose. All right. So another great and interesting conversation. We're going to end it here. Dan Sullivan, Jack Seeloff, thank you for being a part of public policy this week here on KYMN. I'm Rich Larson. My co-host today has been Joe Moravchik. And gentlemen, yeah, I want to just thank you again uh, for taking time out of your busy uh, schedules and, you know, maybe taking away from your tennis games. I, I hope <laughs> we didn't uh, do too, too much there. Uh, but sh sharing your knowledge and experience with our listeners, like you say, Dan, these shows are important, and it's, it's – uh, 
uh, the wisdom that you guys bring to these shows that makes it so, so important. So we really do appreciate you, uh, your time. The objective for public policy this week is to inspire important, meaningful, in-depth conversations about public policy challenges and opportunities. We're on KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1 each Friday morning from 10 to 11. And if you don't catch the program live, you can pull up the podcast of each program here on KYMN or on any of your favorite podcast services. Just look for our public policy this week, Capital Logo. And speaking of pulling up archive programs, uh, Dr. Sullivan, uh, along with uh, Steve Poskanzer, two presidents emeritus, uh, Steve from Carleton College, uh, and, and of course Dr. Sullivan from uh, St. Lawrence, joined uh, uh, Joe and myself in April of this past year uh, to discuss the state of higher education and, and affording a college education. And that was a fascinating discussion, by the way. There were some, uh, some things that came out of that conversation that I had not considered at all. Um, and, and that can be found on KYMN Radio. That's just one example of a lot of really good conversations. Joe's CVEC course coming this spring, backed by popular demand, is titled History and Current State of U.S. Policing. The course, as titled, will examine the history and current state of policing in America, but also the laws, amendments, and court cases that guide policing, the authority and role of the police, police operations and philosophies, police discretion, police terminology such as, what? Reasonable, articulable suspicion, totality of circumstances, and probable cause, searches, surveillance, and technology, police and the media, major crimes and contemporary cases, and the importance of the role of policing and community trust in policing. The goal is to broaden understanding and provide needed context for the serious and important public policy discussions regarding policing that are underway at the local, state, and federal levels of government. So be, uh, be sure to come back. Join us for next Friday's edition of Public Policy This Week. Everybody have an outstanding Friday uh, and a superb weekend. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to Public Policy This Week. Tune in every Friday morning at 10 a.m. for more conversation with policy experts. Remember, this show can be found on your favorite podcast platform or stream it from kymnradio.net.